And welcome to another edition of Indiepocalypse Radio back at the normal time of live time. That is, if it's if you're listening to this after the fact, then I don't know what your normal time is. Is it your commute? Is it your uh, like, do you do it at work? Who knows? Anyway, who cares? <laughs> really? Um, oh, I got to look at this thing. But um, I think I got them all. I got to make sure <sighs> I was. There we go. I was bad at it when I had like had to post it on two things, but now they have to post it on like six things. Who knows? What if I just did this and didn't tell anyone about it? <laughs> and then does that work in the modern grind culture to just do things and not tell anyone for fun? Who knows? Uh, speaking of for fun, I'm your host of the show who does the show for fun. I'm Andrew. I uh you know run moderate what's etc do all those things that have to do with indie apocalypse i'm if you would imagine a publishing structure behind a small press publisher i am that structure uh i am here joined by guests related to oh no i closed the thing i needed or i hit it somewhere there it is uh i'm here with uh guests from all over the space and as i continue my trend of having an occasional, uh, I don't want to say non-game developer because everyone uh, dabbles their toes into game development. But more, what I say is more is a not game developer from the world of indie apocalypse, the greater game development culture world. Anyway, that's a lot of preamble. <laughs> uh, we are here with our first guest, who you may who know from uh, writing on the internet. I would say uh, most notably, interlinked a series of columns. Not a series of columns. You don't call a column a series of columns. A column uh, within Unwinnable is Phoenix Sims. Phoenix, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I got everything ready. There's too much stuff going on, but I've got everything. I've got too many tabs open. I hate this all, but hello. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I, I, oh, so there's a problem I'm running into. Mm-hmm. With with this with this show is that I used to just ask with two developers it's an easy with game developers it's an easy thing because I can ask them hey how did you hear about that zine I make that you submitted to uh, mm. and then tell me about your video game that you made for it but uh, let's, let's you have plenty of stuff you're doing so uh, I mentioned at the top if people are unfamiliar with uh, you don't need to explain all of Unwinnable but uh, what it what is interlinked if I were unfamiliar with it. Okay. So interlinked is basically it's it's my way of making sense of um, some things in both digital humanities and games that I've always kind of had a bit of a beef with. Um, and not that uh, that's not to say that like you know it's a column to like call out things or right, whatever, right. but it's it's a it's a column that focuses on the inter, the interconnections and the intersections between uh, real life uh, zeitgeist and uh, what's currently going on digitally uh, within that zeitgeist. So yeah. I, I find a lot of times, uh, having been somebody who you know, I was an English grad, so for me, uh, whenever I would deal with games as uh, something to study in the humanities. Um, I was always really frustrated by how um, there would be a lot of schools of thought that they would just kind of bar 
you from using okay. uh, basically oh. with with video games they would just go like this this doesn't work for uh analyzing a video game uh you'll have to use something that's very specifically parallel to video games but oh, weird. Uh, which i always thought was weird because you know games are created by people and people have politics that can feed into the game whether it's consciously or subconsciously or whatever right um, right. It's that's just... um so yeah so it's like it's it's a bunch of different stuff but it's basically uh games are very uh they involve a lot of different types of media and storytelling and i personally think we should be looking at it as part of the broader environment of different types of storytelling and not just it's a specific type of thing that is divorced from all these other things out here and it has absolutely nothing to do with all these other things. Um, I just think, I, I don't know, I've, I've always kind of found that a little bit strange. So that's right. treating... kind of where I ended up going with it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I imagine you get that on both ends too because yeah, uh, mm -hmm. game reviewing, if you're coming from that end, that's like, why the humanities here? Uh <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah tell, definitely. <laughs> tell me about how good the graphics are uh what's your uh, reviewers tilt you know yeah Re reviews actually are something that i am still kind of struggling a little bit with because of that it's it's i, I like i like talking fairly broadly about things and yeah. whenever it's a review i mean i kind of always think of it i'm not entirely always for um Ian Bogost's perspective on things but one thing that he said that always stuck with me is that there's always kind of the toaster problem with games where like on one hand toasters can give you like a specific experience of like you know having bread or whatever yeah uh I hope you have I hope you have toast at the end <laughs> if, you got, yeah. if you got bread you have a bad yeah. toaster <laughs> yeah so they're saying like, yeah, like you said, like, um, you know, people kind of often see games as like, you know, a consumer product or something yeah, like that. Right. But you can also look at it as, you know, an art object. And I think um, with reviews, it's 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 always kind of like, yeah, you have to tend to be more on the side of looking at it from the standpoint of like, OK, so if I'm a gamer and I want to know if this is the type of game I want to play that's you know that's what you want to focus on but at the same time i i don't want to get too nuts and bolts about it i guess because right. i've never really been that type of gamer that's thinking very much about like i i do think about it in regards to like i want to be able to play the game and if it yeah. glitches out i can't play it but uh but i like i like being able to look at a game and see where maybe some of its uh possible literary or filmic uh inspirations came from or uh even if it doesn't even if it's just trying to do its own thing I, I i always love seeing what a game's aesthetics are trying to or not just the aesthetic but but just yeah yeah just yeah i, I like right, I, right. so like, i it, think it's that's kind of like creative core uh where yeah. that's coming from yeah Definitely. I, I wonder if that part is also why games feel so like uh insular and circular sort of in like creation because you know they're uh if when you're writing games to describe games for games uh mm -hmm. it's harder for them to fit into the the broader uh, consciousness it's you know it's the 
you know, it's it's the thing of Miyamoto made Zelda because he liked going in the woods. I say Miyamoto proudly, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> because yeah. he explored the woods as a kid. Other people make Zelda games because they played Zelda. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's this kind of uh, uh, thing where, you know, it's music, you know, the life experience that makes a, a work is like just as crucial a part of it. And yeah, I'm, I'm similar where I have, I have maybe just because I have extreme patience for games um, mm-hmm. that I don't really care too much what the gameplay is generally. Um, mm. And I, I can usually adapt to things. I mean, I mean, part of that is just doing this whole project for like three and a half years and you run into a lot of weird stuff that uh like very unique mechanics that yeah. you're like wow okay let's yeah yeah but I, I i always find that interesting because like um yeah i'm kind of similar it, it, it i think the only times that mechanics really will bug me um is if it's too repetitive because I, right. I i do like repetition if it's if it's if it's like intentional and it's it's done in a way that still makes you feel kind of like, uh, um, I know pro- this is probably an overused example, but like Hades or something until you've played it into oblivion. Like there's, there's kind of a freshness to the way it's repetitive, but um, yeah, I, I don't like it if things get too repetitive um, or right. if things are um, like, does it feel uh, like a job? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Actually funny enough, I gave up, playing assassin's creed for quite a while because after a while it just started to feel a lot like it was a job <laughs> right I was like, you're like oh i'm like do i want to do this stuff that's like it, it's strange because i feel like uh you could like because there is like the the desire to uh make games in every game and like provide gate the gamers with their infinite content mm-hmm. so many games yeah. are kind of uh especially in terms of like longevity or hurting themselves as like creative works because they don't really need to be that long. It's true. I mean, I, I, I just finished a couple like classics that I had been meaning to play for like Ooh. ages or a few of them actually. Yes. So I, I had never played um, sword and sorcery or <laughs> super brothers or whatever. Yeah. Super be. brothers presents sword um, and sorcery. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, I finished that one in uh, about, about a week or so or something on my iPad. And uh, I was, I, I loved how short it was um, and how deliberately vague it was too with its storytelling. Yeah. Like it's very suggestive storytelling instead of it being like very, uh, I don't know, like you were mentioning prescriptive earlier. I was going to say sometimes <laughs> certain narratives feel very kind of almost prescriptive like it like it, it has to be this one narrative yeah I which was, doesn't always work very well um, i but, i have yeah. a i have a mental slider that i've been th- that i thought about uh as I've been slowly thinking about at some point of like uh, forms of art and how literal they're expected to be uh <laughs> and games are like of the most literal i think like is very much what you see is what's happening where definitely like, yeah when you read a poem you kind of understand that the tiger is not a tiger you know <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah i and uh what was i gonna say there's yeah so i i find that like um there's there, I, I know that's kind of been like uh, an ongoing 
discussion recently too is a lot of people saying like i want shorter games with worse graphics yeah and blah 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 or something right but i kind of do agree with it because i feel like i've played so it was what was it sword and sorcery stanley parable and portal one not not both of them yet but but all of those um very short games very bizarre and unique in what they're doing but I liked the fact that they were like very, very finite and that it didn't feel like I could play this for 500 plus hours. Right. Um, Yeah. It it feels almost like they're kind of like our our video. I turn, there's no good analogy. Are video games soap operas or whatever? Are they (laughs) just like (laughs) meant to be this endless churn? That just keeps on the going. Zack Snyder cut of video games, or yes, I oh, <laughs> the, truly the Zack. I want all these. I want director's cuts of video. Games. They, there are a couple of them, aren't there? I think so. <laughs> Don't remember which ones. Yeah, though. but they're like games are also so weird because they're like, I don't know, because maybe because they build so much stuff from the ground up every time, it's like harder for you know to have a, a quote unquote director. Mm, yeah. Even though, like, you know, there are clearly, like, uh, games that have, like, a strong authorial voice. Uh, Definitely, yeah. I I, I do think there's also that issue, too, of, like, because games are very difficult to make most of the time and that they have to be made by a team, uh, that, like, the authorial voice is a very interesting subject. Because uh, I remember there was that whole thing with, like, auteurs, like, last year and everything of, like, um, you know, like, uh, Kojima just sort of decide, deciding that all of the authorial voice is him and no one else had anything to do with it. And um, I know it was, I think it was taken out of context, too. Right. Because that, but uh, it, was, it would seem like Death a... Death Stranding, I think. Yeah. It, yeah. would, it would seem like a film nerd, like he would realize, uh, or would probably. It feels condescending. Maybe it just feels like it's taken out of context because it feels condescending of me yeah. to assume that he would not realize that also his favorite directors often have his their favorite actors, and I mean Kojima has his favorite actors, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean he's working with so many of them now too, and I yeah. think I. And so that's why I say like I don't. It's a qualified thing. I think he. It's like. I think he realizes it, realizes it, but there was sort of a like an ongoing thing, not just with him, but a couple others too, where they were saying, it's interesting how we always, it's also an audience problem too, because yeah. a lot of times the audience will mostly associate, um, they'll associate uh, the, whoever is the director with, or the creative director with, with the authorial voice yeah. in a game especially a story-driven game. But it's, you know, when if you, if you look at the credits, especially for maybe something like uh, Baldur's Gate 3 or something like that, there's probably more than a few writers that worked on it or, yeah, they, or I mean, uh, designers, you know. <laughs> even in people's favorite uh, indie, you know, their indie, like, quote-unquote solo projects, usually there's a lot of yes. credits in there with more than one name. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And I, I, I find... Um, uh even like because uh i know venba is a pretty it was a pretty uh small project like small team but even them too they had they they had uh several different consultants as well uh, as well as their their core teams yeah i think there's 16 of them 
I I haven't. Yeah. I think I just saw a thread very very recently about Venba. So I just happened. No, not Venba. No, I was thinking of something else. Oh, yeah. Um, so Venba might be it's shorter. Pretty small. But I think you're. I think I think you're right though. Like it's it's a pretty small team around that that number. I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So yeah. I I and I mean, uh. I I you had, I think you had mentioned this at the beginning too about all all of all of the guests, including me, that we've kind of dabbled or are um doing game projects as well and um even with my own project which is kind of on the back burner for now i know at some point i'm probably gonna have to start uh involving other people even if it's just you know beta testers who are also writers or um that kind of thing so i yeah i i I just i i like i like thinking about that because it's it's like you said it's a very it's a very literal uh form of creative expression games and uh yeah i don't know um and every game of course like individually has is kind of on the sliding scale of like right how much it's trying to do creatively or how much it's just trying to be like this is a fun game to play uh it has interesting mechanics yeah that's what i want you're a little guy the little guy runs around and he exact and he is exactly what he looks like yeah (laughs) yeah and Mario so. does not represent anything other than Mario. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, and I think uh, I, we've talked about in like different context. It's come up on the show in a lot of different contexts. But I think part of that problem with uh, directorial, uh, you know, especially in games with that auteur discussion is that games are very bad at crediting, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so, true. So like we we've mentioned like hey it's very easy for like if you're a real junkie for a certain director you you could also tell me oh what's their what's their editor what's their d who's their dp you know mm-hmm. who are their but like could you say like oh who who are Tim maybe Tim Schafer's a bad example because they had all those documentaries or whatever <laughs> but oh, yeah uh, well take so many documentaries. Take another, take another video game director. Uh, imagine uh, Hideo Kojima, you know, for instance. Mm-hmm. Who, who is Hideo Kojima's level designer? Key, does he have a key level designer? Who knows? Probably. <laughs> you know, like most likely, but right. yeah, it is so true. Yeah. Who, who is like the mocap director for that stuff? That is probably the same person in a lot of these things. Uh, yep. But like games are so bad at like games culture as a whole is like so bad at crediting people for their work. Yeah. Also, it, I think too. Um, there's some instances too where, uh, like, uh, I was thinking about this recently because I replayed Double May Cry Five, um, and uh, sometimes people, I, like, you get the feeling it's hard for them to credit, like, to know what exactly oh, right. to credit them for. Like, there's a director. He worked. He worked on Bayonetta too for the action sequences and. He's known for like doing kind of B film, uh, kind of Dragon Ball Z esque films outside of video games, and so he's really good at like choreographing fights, and that's kind of what they brought him on board for with both Bayonetta and Devil May Cry Five, and I think Devil May Cry, whatever the first one was that Nero showed up, and I think it was four, um, and. Uh, you can tell that, that like in the in the credits like he has a credit yeah. but you can tell it's sort of like i he did this thing fight stuff yeah he did the right. fight stuff fight choreographer 
Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, like for people that work in game design, they'd be like, oh, I didn't know that was like a position or something. Right. Like that. It's like there's a like it like the kind of non-standardization of what roles are goes hand in hand with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that that role could be called something different on each. Hey, it's you know for someone who pres- presumably did contract work, it's nice that they got in the credits. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, Very going true. above and beyond there at uh, Capcom and uh, uh, who? Wait, who are they? I always there's there's so many different studios that have worked on that series. Right, the, who, who it's, is it's Capcom? But there's yeah. another one. I always forget. Uh, oh, Platinum name. Games. It was ours. Yes. Yeah. I, I was. I was drawing a blank. I was like, uh, Clover. No, not Clover. They're all like X Clover, not Grasshopper. That's too. I was. It was like. I was like green things. Green things. And then it was not a green, <laughs> green thing. Things, yeah. It was a different color entirely. That's uh, <laughs> great. But that is. It is like. It is cool. I mean, that's part of why I like having this show. Is I like talking to just like game developers and giving a lot of individual people just like a place to talk about things awesome and i I'm, appreciate and hope, that a lot and i'm hoping that like more is like if i as i expand out and i go hey uh you want to talk just just random people because there's something to it you know i like the medium mm-hmm. uh it's a great like i like you mean the, the medium of like like uh like the podcast or or oh, like oh, the medium of both i guess of games as well oh both yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, as much as there's, you know, obviously, like, similar to, like, what's going on with film right now, that there's a lot of fraught things with, with oh, yeah. games, I, I still love, I still love the medium, I, I, I feel like there's, a, there's still quite a lot of growth to be had, and, um, uh, yeah, uh, the, yeah. The, the film fraughtness is dipping its toes into games, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just recently, sag after, uh, like, think today, oh, uh, man. uh, like extended the strike to video games that that's that's good actually because it's yeah there's there's been quite a lot of on different fronts too because i know um well i guess was is this is it specifically about like all the different things that's happening with video games or is it also like specifically like i know voice actors have been kind of mistreated on and off throughout the the games industry is it is it like they're involving video games in this generally like on a, um I'm, 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 let me go i'm on the sag after site we're doing live googling of <laughs> um authorization vote in preparation of unions forthcoming bargaining they're, they're saying a strike authorization vote the sag after in, in, uh bargaining with some like major publishers oh uh, okay so That's it's probably awesome. a similar thing where it's like we are on strike with activision and you know we're oh, not, yeah. We're not working with Activision Production. All these different studios on here. That's then, awesome, actually. Uh, there is that similar stuff. So, yeah, I guess SAG-AFTRA has a separate video game contract, and that's coming up uh, for negotiation soon. Awesome. Anyway, I'm yeah. I'm not in Hollywood. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't follow the the no not the dirt sheets. There's the dirt sheets is wrestling. I think uh, <laughs> I don't follow the trades. <laughs> All I know about wrestling is uh, Rhea Ripley. I think <laughs> that's that's, that's a different. I, I'm not gonna say it's more than I know. That's a different thing than I know. Different. Yeah. I, I I do have a like an appreciation for it though, as like oh yeah, no, it can be a lot of fun. It's like 
it's like it's carnival theater it's like sideshow definitely stuff <laughs> so yeah, it's there's kind of like a weird uh, pleasure to it and I, some of those performances are top shelf uh, yeah but it's a lot of fun Anyway, the beautiful, the most beautiful game, I think, is what it's called. Um, but we are actually approaching the the end of our segment here, Phoenix. But so I've got a couple of questions for you. Okay. A couple of ongoing, not ongoing, but kind of like boiler, the the the, the two indie apocalypse questions that have been asked. And okay. I like to I like to ask them. I like to, it gives me a good uh, temperature for the for the audience for the guests. Uh, okay. Leading off of the first one, what's your favorite type of rock? Ooh, favorite type of rock. Ooh, I thought you. I, I went really literal with this. <laughs> you? It, Do you mean like rock, like 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 uh, the music genre, or rock as in like an object? <laughs> Phoenix, that's part of the interpretation of the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to just go with what I grew up with. I'll say symphonic, symphonic metal. Okay. It's my favorite metal rock. <laughs> Perfect. And follow up question. Now this is important. This is not what is, this is a do. Do okay. you have, do you have a favorite Toho character? Ooh, I don't think I do. Cause I don't think I know very much. About That's all right. That, that is, uh, an acceptable and common answer to that question <laughs> it's it's one of those weird things where it's both a massive but also a bl- huge blind spot with a, a gaming culture that's really interesting actually <laughs> it's a neat it's a neat series but that's we're not going to spend the next 30 minutes talking about toho because uh, we have to go on break what do, i'm like what's this tab it's harmony harmony get out of here don't need to hear about you anymore uh Phoenix, thank you so much for being here on the show. No Hope you problem at all. Stick around for the uh, group segment. I'm finding my foobar. Uh, in the meantime, I'm... I'm going to go to break, and we'll be back in like uh, two minutes and 57 seconds, more or less. Goodbye. Cool. Hello, welcome back to the show. That was uh, Ugly Shadow with Kids of Tomorrow. We are here with our next guest, who you may know uh, from issue 29 of Indie Apocalypse with uh, Fight Item Run. Uh, it's Taylor Curry. Taylor, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me, especially since uh, 29 was not a recent issue. No. But uh, <laughs> it, it's still great to be a part of it. I still uh, get those notifications, and every now and then people are like reblogging the 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 post and like ah cool i love that it's still getting traction still getting out there nice you, that you are a, a recipient of the indie apocalypse six dollar promise where <laughs> uh, once or twice a year you will get six dollars from in paypal from me so like all of us indie devs passing the same five dollars around yes. buying each other's games it's fine <laughs> yeah when i think when around when i started this i was my, part of like my pitch was like what if we were trading $20 around instead of five? That's, yeah. Hey, now that's thinking with volume. Yeah, that's that's the indie apocalypse mindset there. Um, but speaking of uh, twenty issue 29, that being about 15 months ago, 
Can you cast your mind back that far? And and how did you hear about Indie Apocalypse, Taylor? Um, I think I that is a great question. Um, and I I think it had just come out with Fight Item Run. It had run its Kickstarter campaign. Um, I had physical copies and was just looking for different ways to promote. And I think I probably came across it just doing a Google of figuring out bundles, um, interacting especially with uh, Itch.io. This is one of the... Okay, so I say Itch.io. Do yeah. you do itch.io when you say it out loud? I usually... I'm just lazy. I just call it itch. You just call it itch? Itch alone, it's just... It's itchy when I think yeah. about it like that. Anyway... That's, that's, uh, how, I don't that's, how, I like, that's how I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good way to scratch an itch. Um, if indie games is what you're looking for. Uh, no, so I think um, I was seeking out different options, especially on Itch.io, to um, just kind of get different games in bundles. Um, I also am into the idea of invading video game space. Yes. Uh, so Fight Item Run is a tabletop role-playing game. Um, but it's heavily inspired by video games and like old school video games and platformers, Metroidvania style. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I know that Indiepocalypse does accept TTRPGs and uh, I think adjacent, um, like with Phoenix. Um, but uh, so I'm, I'm gracious to be included. But I also really enjoy a space uh, being on Itch.io. Um, that is very video game centric. They've made a lot of space for uh, TTRPGs, comics, those sorts of things. Um, but it's also really fun um, allowing my tabletop game design to be informed by video game game design. And I think there's some like comorbidity there that, um, yeah, it just seemed like a good fit. And I like the, the setup and I, I like what you're doing with it. So well, I shot my shot and you took my game. Yes. Uh, that, that's the best thing to do is to shoot your shot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 inc- I like to include, uh, a couple of, t- if I, if I'm, if the mood strikes me, a couple of tabletop games per, per issue. Um, not, not a max. Cause I think there are better, uh, I mean, it's a longer tabletop has, I think a longer, uh, history of like self-publishing or in like uh, collaborative publishing sort of stuff. So I'm like, you guys yeah. are good, <laughs> uh, or better off uh, at supporting, uh, you know, collective small press than games are, mm-hmm. video games that is. And it's but it's nice to be like, it's good as like you know, get tabletop games are games. Uh, it's a way to like interact with things. It's it's, it's a, you know, it's like what games are at their core. It's like you and a system hanging out together. <laughs> uh yeah mess it around with things it's just like well and then oh go ahead no no i i'm here every week what do you guys say <laughs> i was just gonna say well and and part of the things that, that it made me feel okay with it with, with fight item run is because it's very homage to video games so yeah. i think if somebody's coming to a video game space um like I got some weird solo journaling, introspective, like <laughs> be with your feelings type of writing practice, TTRPGs. I wasn't going to submit those because, you know, there's a time and there's a place. Yeah. Uh, and that time and place but, is sometimes uh, in the apocalypse as well. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think if I think, but uh, twenty one months before you, uh, uh, I think you know we've had like a Maria Misson in uh, the indie podcast with like a, with like three journaling or a couple of them that were journaling. I'm trying to remember exactly. Oh, very cool. But yeah, journaling solo RPGs. Uh, you're you're hitting the weird art zone. Wait till you get to guest three and hear about what their game is like. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. Uh, but uh, uh, top-down picture, we, you, you alluded to it briefly, but if I was an unfamiliar gamer on itch.io or itch.io, you know, I think it depends on my cadence at the time and how I say it. Yeah. Uh, if, I, if I'm going for a, a fancy mode or something, I go itch. If I really want to hit the dot, I would go itch.io. Uh, but It's very dot-com boom-esque to yeah. say the dot. Yes. Uh, I I lived the dot com boom in that I was alive yeah. when it was happening, <laughs> not that I was an investor. I was a child. Yeah. Uh, but what 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 is uh, Fight Item Run? Uh, so yeah, so Fight Item Run is a tabletop role playing game. It does. Uh, it is powered by the apocalypse. Uh, maybe a little bit less so than. Um, some of the other games it takes a lot of the philosophy but there's a lot of other mechanics and stuff built on top of it uh so if powered by the apocalypse is a familiar term for you great you might have a sense of familiarity if it's not a familiar term don't worry about it um the uh the setup is you're in a dungeon uh you and the other players are heroes and you're in a dungeon uh and the dungeon uh, it's a play-to-find-out game, so it almost is like a TTRPG that plays like a roguelite, right. um, where uh, you're you're generating things as you go through, and there's a very collaborative ability to find things and assign value and meaning to the things that you interact with as you go through the different dungeons, fight monsters, collect items, uh, use magic, uh, and run when things get tough. Um, and um, through that kind of collaborative play to find out you build the story together of uh you know the type of thing that you get from those like old school rpgs where it's like kind of convoluted but there's probably just like a central villain but they really want to like pad out all the item quests and side quests and and stuff like that um i had a lot of fun allowing it to be informed by those sorts of games so there's some uh mechanics that uh include uh like the the burst drive is just my limit break um, where as your characters, you get like a countdown die to do your like super move. Um, there are tactics to it, but it's not hard crunch in terms of like, what abilities can I pick to stack in a certain way? Yeah. It's not min-maxing in that sort of way. It's uh, largely driven by gear. So um, you don't actually gain experience. There's no experience points ah, um, yes. because... Like, like FromSoft's clever- classic game, Evergrace. <laughs> yeah, or or you know like uh, just Metro. So I was playing yeah, yeah. Uh, like on the Switch. There's those uh, you know how you can get the the Nintendo and Super Nintendo little arcade things. Yeah, um, I, I thought about like there's there's no recently. Yeah, I mean it's fun. Um, and one of the things that I really like about them because I'm I'm not the best gamer. Um, yeah. Ooh, like I enjoy oh, video games. Wait a minute, I thought this is. Hardcore gamers only. I have to go and have to. Yeah, right. Review, yeah, review I'm my contract. I thought I said. I saw. I said you by signing this, you were vowing. You're you're acknowledging that you are a hardcore gamer. <laughs> oh no, breach of contract. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm I'm not always good at video games. I yeah. really enjoy playing them. Um, and so for the the arcade ones that you can 
I think you just like use one of the the triggers to like pause and rewind and like reload inf- instances and stuff because a lot of those old games are pretty unforgiving. Um, but that's also part of Fight Item Run is like uh, even though the total party wipe isn't going to be part of it, you might all get beat down, you might all lose. You wake up in the previous room, you're kind of a little bit battered, but your health has recovered. Uh, just kind of start over. Um, you also your characters get an opportunity to kind of uh, strategize and build a guide um, mm-hmm. that can help them later. And so with that strategy guide, you can try to, um, you know, do, do better as you, as you go through. Uh, so it's a little tongue in cheeky, um, but uh, the core advancement system is gear. Uh, so you get different gear and it doesn't like stack. It's just, um, uh, I, I love that we were talking about Devil May Cry earlier. That's <laughs> one of my all time favorite series. Uh, and just the, the, the Devil May Cry Mega Man style of you beat the fire boss and you get the fire weapon, or you yeah. beat like that guy and you get a sword that looks like that guy. So that's one of the core philosophies kind of behind the the gear is, you know, if you get the antler helmet, that might allow you to just like headbutt somebody with your antlers. Um, so it's a little bit, you know, modifier based, situational based. Can you make an argument for why it works? Okay, it works. Um, for gear interactivity, uh, so you know if you have a fire weapon and I and the GM throws some uh, ice monsters at you, your fire weapon is going to be super effective against um, the the ice monsters. Yeah. So there's some of that, um, and then like once you get your gear, you advance to the next level. Um, a lot of times in video games, a lot of the scaling happens in the background where the enemies that you fight get harder. Um, you kind of get better. I know sometimes your damage will, will scale up and increase. And it's just, I, I don't know, trying to mitigate that and just saying, like, no, you just kind of have to, You these are your tools. You're going to get good at them. Um, things are going to scale with you. And sure, if you're starting fighting slimes, and now at the end you're fighting, you know, infernal minotaur monsters, um you you've all scaled you've all grown and we don't need to represent that mathematically because unfortunately we can't have that math running in the background yeah. uh if you're math at the tabletop you're putting that math on the table and let me tell you i love math on the table i love a spreadsheet but i get that that's not everybody's jam uh and yeah, it's also no, i'm a, i'm a i'm a math avoider uh yeah i'm a math skeptic well it well, even though i enjoy nostalgia. math personally oh, <laughs> which is a yeah weird thing to say but i'm like more that I'm a little, I'm a little sneak. I don't, want, I don't want to avoid. I want to role play my way through things. Yeah, well, like I think that's that's one of the the fun things, and a lot of times, yeah. uh, that's not a thing that you get to do in video games all the time. Right. Where in video games, due to just like limiting uh, limits of the system, while many do reward creativity. Um, there are certain things like, no, that's not allowed. You don't get to have a real person that says, okay, yeah, let's figure out how to make this work. Unless you're into modding, in which case, you know, just mod the heck out of it and do whatever you want. Um, right, you, you can't have but, a video game that kind of like is not paying attention and not realizing that they haven't made you roll for any of your checks recently <laughs> <laughs> because you've been yeah. talking to them the whole time. <laughs> there you go. So it's like, no, I, I and the thing I have, a, I mean, I do this myself personally, but and that's part of part of why I love the medium of tabletop RPGs of this idea of like, you are like, you take this, it's very good. Like I want to make a tabletop RPG. So I'm not going to, I kind of alluded to it earlier with Zelda. It's not like I'm going to make a game. I want to make a tabletop RPG. So I'm going to make a game that's like D and D or powered by the apocalypse. It's more like I'll use their numbers as my base, 
but I want to make a game about like running a movie theater. You know, it's just kind of like a lot of his like abstracting concepts or ideas or broad genres into games and then using like a, a, a lot of times using the base work of someone else did a lot of the number crunching for me. So I have to worry about does this game balance that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and honestly, uh, I do enjoy building systems from the ground up. Like each yeah. game that I make, I like will build spreadsheets for it. Um, and fight item run. It technically is the second game that I made by power with the uh, powered by the apocalypse engine. Yeah. The first one was not good though. <laughs> um, so it's, it's not really available, uh, but it was an important learning experience. Uh, and, I think there's certain approaches, and it's funny because some of the, a lot of the mistakes that I've made in that, uh, when you just roll right into Powered by the Apocalypse, like oh this is easy, I'll just tack on top of this. Like mm, it's not, it's not a one size fits all. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can build every, from it, but yeah. Not every concept makes sense uh, within its framework. Yeah, uh, and honestly, I think there's probably a little bit more battle tactics than people who are used to powered by the apocalypse might expect mm. but there's also mechanics like cutscenes and like you can like fast forward and you can do like time skips and there's like uh relationship bond things when you like you can trigger an event so you might be in the middle of a battle but if you trigger the event of one person saves another person you can go into a cutscene and then explore it and that kind of goes back to you know the video game thing where some bosses you're not supposed to beat or right. um some fights are actually just the cutscene that leads into the larger story so like we don't have to be in every single moment of these characters lives because that's not how the narrative works the narrative can override the you know step-by-step -step linear flow like we, we don't have to simulate every moment yeah, yeah, that is. It's not like you're living a character's life. It's it, it uh, leans more towards like it has like a more of a foot on the, like the theater side of uh, tabletop role playing, where yeah. this kind of like acknowledgement. Of, oh, we are we are playing a game, but to in some extent we are putting on a collaborative performance as well uh, for four to five people. You know. Yeah. Which is like it's its own its own other like realm of uh, tabletop RPGs and then kind of like just collaborative game playing in general. You know, I'm sure there there are all sorts of like if you have a friend group that you play games with, I'm sure there are some cases where uh, how your friend group experiences a game, even like a video game with its finite like rule set, you you play it differently than other people will. Uh, well, and especially when you're looking at like things like party games, like the Rise yeah. of Jackbox, um, that that is a very different experience uh, depending on your friend group. I remember yes. uh, at my my old day job, uh, I was part of like a company culture committee sort of thing, and every now and then somebody would throw like, "What if we did like company like hangouts like Jackbox?" Especially like through the pandemic, like we could play Jackbox, and I'm thinking about how I play Jackbox with my friends. Like, how about not? <laughs> These are right. people I go to work with. Because you don't know, especially like even your, you don't know what kind of energy each person is going to bring to the Jackbox. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a very like, 
uh, it could bring us, like I say, a very chaotic uh, energy, or even just like, what if your coworkers aren't funny, but they want to be funny? Right. Yeah, and that's that's a real risk. Right, and then just like people just bombing nonstop about things that they thought were funny. <laughs> yeah. Seems... Well, like in this, like in friend groups, yeah. you know the humor and you know the idea, and I think. Yeah, whether like other, you know, party games or couch co-op, multiplayers, or even when you're playing video games with people that you know, like even if you're just both playing the same game on yeah. your own and talking about it, when you the, the social aspect is of it, you know how other people play and you can kind of meet them on that same page. Um, and like if you're into speedruns or something like that, and you kind of know your other friends who are into speedruns, you can talk about a game in those uh, contexts. But, you know, when you're getting into a larger social thing, sometimes you can not really know how people are going to approach a game. And like, you play this game how? What? Yeah, right, right. It's... <laughs> That's not how we play that game. We have, you know, it's not even like a house rules thing. You're right. It's like a different just like, in the same way that, like, in like in different mediums, like maybe people approach film differently, you know, where it's like, oh, I just sit down and I watch the movie, then I walk away from it and I go. I used to have, uh, well, I I have a friend who used to have these uh, like movie watching parties, yeah. right? He'd invite a bunch of people over, like there'd be drinks. Um, pot is legal in my state, um, and ah, uh, yes. it, it would just a get a lot of friends oh, over to hang elite. out. They were just like. What's that? I said a fellow coastal elite. Uh, <laughs> right. I've, I've, got, um, I've got weed signs all over the place. Oh, they're all over the place. Yes. I, yeah, I'm in western Washington, uh, and there's like some stretches where they're like, how are you not out-competing the heck out of each other? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm on the, but, I'm on the uh, opposite. I'm on the same, probably the same, same latitude opposite side of Massachusetts, and there's plenty of them. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he would have like movie-watching parties. Yeah. Um, but like he would, he would want to watch the movie. He'd be like sitting there like, guys, I want, I want, I want to see what's going on. And like, oh no, 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 you don't, you don't get to like, this isn't, you sit down and watch a movie. Like right. people are talking, people are laughing, people are going to be loud. You're going to miss a lot. Like, and I'm usually the type of person when, if I want to watch a movie, I, I would like to sit down and watch it. But if you go to a party like that, you gotta, you gotta remove yourself from that experience. You are not going to catch every line and every nuance of that actor's performance. Right. And you should, if you, uh, I think part the parties ideally will like cater to it. You're not like, Hey, hey guys, we're going to sit down and we're going to watch portrait of a lady on fire. You know, <laughs> we're going right. to, you're going to watch something usually uh, more palatable uh, for like, a, a raucous audience to i guess a raucous audience can get raucous about anything you know you could have a real raucous stalker watch if you wanted to <laughs> everyone yeah. lies down during the lie down part i'm gonna make i, I thought once about making a, a tabletop adjacent book sort of it's not a tabletop book but it's like a you know uh, you know how you know how there were like uh, there's culture to watching like Rocky Horror or The Room. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, I thought like, what if you did that? What if I made a book of that for like ever for like a whole like twenty other movies, as, presuming that same culture and just made up my own th- stuff. I love that. Just kind of like talk about this is the way that people experience yeah. like 
the original live action Super Mario Bros. Yes. Like people come up like they they invent the worst Mario cosplay they can think of. Right. Uh they show up, everybody brings like little shoulder harmonicas and they play harmonicas whenever like the weird toad creature plays his harmonica. Yeah. I don't know. Sure the dude, everybody does a big jump when the super boots show up. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you also have this movie cemented into your brain forever. I watched it a lot when I was a kid. I I I I have a vivid memory of Bob Hoskins going, "A bomb." <laughs> a bomb. Yeah. Um anyway, very that movie's really weird. I think it probably has greater longevity than the new Mario movie because it's weird. And the other one is like, I don't know, an Illumination movie, I assume. <laughs> probably has like Yeah. Uh pop music I haven't drops. seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's it's a movie. Yes. It sure it has a beginning and end and hits the beats and looks nice and is a whole movie with all the characters that you love. But does it have Dennis Hopper? <laughs> like what a what a weird role. What a weird role. Anyway, what a weird movie. Yeah. People should make weird movies. I like weird movies. Uh, I like weird movies too. That's anyway, that said, speaking of uh Weird movies. One of my favorite uh, weird movies is Phantom of the Paradise, a classic work of rock opera by uh, uh, Brian De Palma. Taylor, what is your favorite Phantom. type of rock? Phantom of the Paradise. Um, my favorite type of rock, um, I like a neat looking rock. Uh, I'm definitely like the, if it's, if you're cold, they're cold, put them in your pockets. Yeah. Um, as a kid, I used to be into like collecting rocks, not very discerning. Um, I had a rock tumbler, but I didn't have the patience for a rock tumbler. You know, those things can take like weeks. It was like a a rock. Oh my God. So a rock tumbler is like a tiny cement mixer, uh, that you put on your counter, but it's as loud as a cement mixer and you put rocks in there and you put like a grit in there and then it just slowly runs for like I think the one I had when I was a kid for like 30 days like a whole month um but you just put your ugly nature rocks in there and they polishes them and makes them nice and shiny right it just it's a rock polisher okay um and um when it when I was like seven or eight or whatever I just did not have the patience one month is eternity um but uh I, I have been thinking about getting a rock tumbler. Um, they are loud and impractical, and uh, I do not have one in my home. But I have a child now. He is seven months old. And at some point, he might want a rock tumbler, and I look well, forward to that day. I, I've got great news for you, Taylor. There is this National Geographic rock tumbler that's 75% quieter than plastic barrels. Uh, it's, good, it's a geology kit for a geology enthusiast, rock polisher for kids and adults. So... <laughs> I like that it says kids and adults, so it yeah. doesn't sound like we're playing with kids' toys. Listen, the, this whole this whole society is adults playing with kids' toys nowadays. Uh, yeah, I never thought I would grow up to become the bully. <laughs> but, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, watch watch a movie for adults. Damn it! <laughs> I don't know. Like you can, yeah. you can. Adults can watch movies made for kids. They just need to like couch their opinions in the context and frameworks that the movie was not for them. Yes, that's I 
I occasionally do a, a, a slight, I'm not going to go too long on this because it's a whole tangent. Yeah. But uh, I'll occasionally come across a video essay if I'm on like YouTube uh, incognito mode. And it's like someone, and I say I say analyzing uh, in intense air quotes, something like Ratatouille, when really they're just uh, describing the clearly laid out themes within this children's movie. Um, <laughs> but it's like, and I look at them and I go, I play a game of, do you analyze anything that is not for children? And the answer 99% of the time is no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I, it's just a, it's a weird, <laughs> it's like, I, I, it's a weird cultural thing. Yes. Yeah, that's true. But, um, but that's, that's a whole other long, uh, thing that, but I have another question for you. Important question. Yep. If I time prepared, do you have a favorite Toho character? Um, so I, uh, went second. So I Googled Toho. So the answer um, is probably no. Then. I, yeah. I am aware of it as a franchise. Yeah. I, it's okay. Yeah. It's a bullet hell, right? Yes. Kind uh, of. Okay. I don't play a ton of those. I did at one point try to make a bullet hell TTRPG, which is a whole other thing. Um, but, uh, so I Googled it and there's a character named Flandra. I'm probably saying that wrong. Nope. She's got like jewel wings yeah. and is apparently a vampire. Yeah. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. I'm a fan. I like you Flandra Scholar of the Scarlet Devil Mansion. I'm, uh, canonically I say it as much as a human being, a real life human being can have canon, uh, a fan of the Scarlet Devil Mansion and Stenizens. That said. Cool. They're cool looking people in there. There's other vampires, just like a sleepy witch. Uh, All right, yeah, I can get behind a sleepy witch. Or maybe, she, maybe she's also sick too, as well. Who knows? Uh, this is for oh. Toho 101 class, which is coming in six six months from now. Uh, but that all is said, it also an sorry anime. Uh, Taylor, we don't have time for me to explain all of Toho. <laughs> no, okay, Flanders Scarlet. Final yeah. answer. It's. Uh, it has a very open license for people to kind of do whatever they want with it. There may or may not be anime uh-huh. adaptations. If you wanted to make a Toho tabletop role-playing game, you could do it pretty easily. And it would be Toho. No, I got to know Toho. if somebody has. It would not be Toho-inspired. Somebody certainly has. Um, that said, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. We're going to go on break as soon as I, there you are. Uh, we'll be back in like uh, two minutes and 35 seconds. Uh, goodbye. Hello, welcome back to Indiepocalypse Radio. That was uh, Dogface Hermans with Viva. Uh, getting, continuing my tradition of like, what if we just played old uh, punk rock music from, or post-punk or No Wave or whatever that vague genre is of people playing guitars and having fun with it on this show. Uh, just talking about, uh, we are here with our next guest, who you may also know from issue 90, not 93, and uh, 29 of Indie Apocalypse with authorized likeness is scrounging for cats up. Uh, can I call you? Can I call you scrounging for short? Yes, you can. Okay, perfect. In the in the lead up to this interview, I kind of realized my name is a bit of a nightmare. Like, no, that's fine. <laughs> to say out loud. <laughs> yes, you're allowed to call me that's, that's actually very easy to say out loud. Um, <laughs> but I've gotten better. There, actually, the harder thing is like there are some names that are actually like 
I don't know where they hit the emphasis. That's where those are the names I have the hardest time with, actually. Yeah, scrounging works for me. Scrounging is a is a word I know. It's a word I use. Uh, now, uh, I got to ask you an important question. I'm asking you now to cast your mind back 15 months ago. Uh, do you? How did you hear about Indiepocalypse? Uh, I believe that I was browsing the Game Jam section of Itch, which I'm not sure why I was doing that because I don't participate in Game Jams. That's like <laughs> just not how I work. Right. Like if you tell me I have 30 days to make a game, I'll be like, well, I'm maybe I'll need 31. Well, what if I told you you had <laughs> infinite number of days and you could have already made the game? Yeah. And uh, I think I was browsing the calendar and I saw the name Indiepocalypse and I thought, well, that's a funny name for a game jam. So I clicked it and then I saw that you could submit your game even if it was made three years ago. And I thought, well, you know what? I'll I'll give it a chance and yeah. I'll submit my game. It probably won't be accepted, but you know, <laughs> I'll try it anyway. Little did you know that the curator of Indiepocalypse <laughs> was an art art, art 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 like an artsy sicko. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, my pleasant surprise. I actually I remember getting like the acceptance email that my game was accepted to it, yeah. and I just assumed that it was a mistake. I assumed that you had accidentally sent me the acceptance email, and it wasn't really. I really was not accepted to the indie apocalypse. No, no, that is. I'm glad it it turned out to be true. It was not a bad dream or a bad, and, a and, horrible mistake. And for people who we're talking about it broadly, for people who are unfamiliar with authorized likeness, what what would you say it is? How would you describe it? Uh, authorized likeness is a game where you must draw your own reflection in your laptop monitor or your computer monitor or your television monitor. Whatever your device you are playing it on. Yeah. You, it is a black screen, and you intently stare at your reflection, and you use the mouse to trace around it, and then you hit a button, to, and it will... The screen will turn white, and you will see how well you did. You will see the end result of your drawing. And usually it's not a very good drawing. No. I, I'm i realizing now that it, on my second laptop, I wonder if it'll run it. it, I, had some, it that, I have a second laptop that has Vista on it. <laughs> Um, yeah has some trouble running things but i'm like huh i should do that that i realize that's a really it's something somehow i've never thought like that's a really good like art uh show art event game to have running <laughs> i've considered that myself like you know i have trouble getting my games in front of people and i feel like that would be like the one game if i ever went to a public event yeah people would really engage with that game i yeah. feel like I would, I would generally, I don't know uh, what access you have to them, but like, I advocate game developers to go to like local craft fairs and like art markets and stuff like that. Yeah, I might do that sometime because they really like. I mean, they're they're for one, they're like super cheap usually. <laughs> I've yeah, they're usually like forty bucks, uh, a little more if you have to like bring a table. But if you've got a table lying around, then you're good. Uh, it reminds me, can I uh, share an Indiepocalypse dream that I had? Yes, you can. Okay, so this was shortly after the issue came out. And I dreamt that you hosted an Indiepocalypse convention. And anybody who had ever appeared in Indiepocalypse was allowed to join this convention to show off their games. And I was sitting there and you were giving your little speech to kick off the convention. And I was looking around and like everybody else had these amazing like booths with banners and marquees and like cardboard cutouts just like 
amazing stuff to get people to come to their table and look at their yeah. game. And I like looked down and I had nothing. Like I didn't even bring my laptop to like play the game, <laughs> show the game off. So nobody like could play my game. But I looked down and I had a white placemat and a black crayon. So I like colored in the placemat and I held it up. And like whenever people came to the table, I'd be like, well, I don't have my game, but this is what it looks like. And I would like hold it up for them. So that was my indie. That's that's pop. the indie pop, that's the uh, uh, authorized likeness at home version. <laughs> yes, we have authorized likeness at home. This is what yeah. Now I should is... license that out. I should license that out to restaurants, like a reflective playmat. Yeah, placemat that you can. <laughs> well, it's a it's a little hard. It's a little to see. It loses part of the appeal because you can see what your hand is drawing. That's true. You have to like close your eyes, but then you can't do that because it's a. You know, I'll, I'll say, though, in your dream, all those people had nicer booze than I have at events, <laughs> usually. I have a, a sign that says Indie Apocalypse that I got because one of the conventions I went to printed signs for all the different booze that went there, and I've been using it ever since. <laughs> they had, like, their logo at the end of it. I went to the Staples, and I said, can you cut off this logo at the end and then refold <laughs> it and put the, the rivets in there or whatever they're called, uh, the grommets? Yeah. And I've been using that for four years, three years. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, no, I, I do. I will probably never get a standee or cardboard cutout, sir. I do have like a little, uh, I did make a capsule machine. I think those are kind of cool. That'd be pretty cool. I I would come to the table with a capsule machine. uh, That's what I hope. But weirdly, like only a couple people have. I'm like maybe this is a better for like a, a like a gaming event where people like want to buy games, but where I have to convince people to buy games in the first place. Yeah, that yeah. Getting a completely random game in and of itself uh, seems like maybe it's a trickier, trickier thing. But anyway, yeah. If you at home want to make a capsule machine, you can do it for like under like ten dollars. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I just made it. Uh, it's just like a a cheap hat box kind of thing that I got like on deep clearance. But you could use any number of thing, and I got like it, all it is is like two salad bowls from a dollar store turned upside <laughs> down and facing each other. You should post the homemade capsule machine making tutorial on YouTube, I, and then I, monetize it for when everybody looks at it. Never. I, and then you can retire from Indie Apocalypse because you never have to worry about it again. Oh, if I if I could retire from all of the money you've made on your homemade capsule machine making video. <laughs> I I don't know I don't know I don't have YouTuber energy I think. I think there's the yeah problem. I don't. I think I I think I lack that certain kind of uh, 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 je ne sais quoi, which is to say. I would have to have put a cut between each one of those words. Uh, <laughs> and I have to like throw par- another occasionally as, as a morbid curiosity, I will put on, I, I get morbid curiosity sometimes when I go into YouTube incognito mode. Uh, and I go YouTube incognito mode. That's where you see like the worst of YouTube. I think. Yes. It's truly it's- the curse. YouTube. It- I actually posted about this the other day, but, like, there's this idea that, like, the longer you spend on YouTube, your recommendations become more and more right-wing. 
But if you ever go on YouTube incognito mode, that's just like the default content that's suggested to anybody. Yeah, I have <laughs> my YouTube is like I I stopped my history like uh, I don't know ten years ago, or whatever. I said nope, don't <laughs> don't keep, don't track my search history anymore. <laughs> and then like so, my front page is actually just like it's a snapshot of stuff from forever ago and some of the things I'm watching now, which is, I don't know. Actually gaming. Yeah, I actually had to log in to YouTube to start using it again because something happened within like the last month and like none of my like search history was saved. Right. Like the cookies would always remember what I watched and it was like wiped. And now it, it was like all the same terrible stuff from incognito mode. No, I yeah. have to log in. That, that was probably their scheme. Like, oh, we're going to make everybody mad, so they have to log into it so we can track more of their data or whatever. But <laughs> Yeah, when I have anything that is not literally like the three accounts that I watch on YouTube, I usually, if, I, if it annoys me enough, I go, do not show me this. Do not yeah, I do that too. Do not I show me a lo-fi girl. Do not want to see. Not interested. Yeah, I saw a PewDiePie video recommended to me and he was holding his baby and I felt very brutal to click do not recommend anymore, but I had to do it. I would I never, had to. do not recommend do not babies. Show me <laughs> they started giving me very low count videos. They're just like, <laughs> uh, here, yeah, like here's a person like making cupcakes in their living room. It's like, what, why, why are you showing this to me? My low count videos are either, uh, basically just like old video games. It looks like, or, indie bands <laughs> the, the I, I get very random i can't wait until i get the low viewer account um how to make a capsule machine at home in your living room yes uh, and i'll show you and it's like get a knife oh, make sure you don't cut yourself with it i i did a very imperfect version of it uh <laughs> i bought like a just a knife like a one of those like craftsman mm -hmm. Or I think it's a Husky, like a Husky knife. Brandon, this is my okay. YouTuber practice doing branding content for Husky. <laughs> uh, it has a picture of a dog on it, I think. I think. Well, that's how you know it's a Husky. Yeah. Yes, the ones with pictures of dogs on them. And I was like, what would you use for cutting plastic? I'm like, this is a knife. It'll cut plastic. It did not do it well, <laughs> but it did it. Uh, uh, DIY projects are fun if you get the chance to just kind of make something. And I think that's the, 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 the pleasure of art is just like the pleasure of, uh, you know, making a thing. Yeah, making something. Exactly. Uh, you know, a creative outlet. I'm just, you know, rattling off phrases that everybody knows right now. But yes. <laughs> but just like uh, uh, just just making a thing. Is and just sometimes the thing is a, a video game, and sometimes yeah, it's. I, yeah, I think that's the kind of the appeal to game development for me is like, every time I make something and it works, I'm kind of impressed that I managed to pull it off. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I think people should like. I see too much like, uh, uh, does your code have to be perfect? Uh, does it have to be reasonable? It's like watch a movie and realize that like uh, three feet to the left or the right is not the world you're looking in. It's just like something else. It's all made. Yeah. Up. Everybody is winging it. Like yeah. you see all of these posts from even professional, like triple a game developers and like their code is like hacked together. Like a house actually is changed to look like a bullet or whatever. I don't know. I'm just right. It just has to work once. Up. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It has to, you know, whatever. Like, isn't it Fallout where the tram is just a guy with a big tram hat or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that's... like a big train hat with a bunch of people, like, running underneath it or something like that. Yeah, that's all you need. Like, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to look good. It's not too perfect. It's got to work. That's the motto. <laughs> I remember the very first video game I made. It wasn't under the name Scrounging for Cats Up, so I'm not going to say what it was. But I remember... There was a problem with the camera, and like every time you would run into something, like the camera would just go haywire, it would go crazy, and I'm like, I don't know how to fix this, so now it's a feature. Right. Now it's a feature of this game. <laughs> you have to like you have to live with your limitations, you know, make crap. <laughs> I think the, the problem was is that when the character landed on a platform, they couldn't move unless they were already moving when they landed on it if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I'm like, I don't know how to fix this, so now this is a core mechanic of the game. <laughs> this is how you have to play this game now. Yeah, it's just this whole, whole, like, uh, just, 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 like, live with it, you know? It's, you know, what if you're filming outside and it starts raining, you know? you got to improvise. Yeah, exactly. Day for night, as they say. <laughs> we need to do, what is, what is, you know, a tram hat is the is is tram hat the video game equivalent of day for night? You know, just yeah, just uh, vehicle human for vehicle. Uh, yeah, who knows? But oh, that is a good solution to an authorize analog authorized likeness. The transparency should over black background drawn with a black pen. That yeah, is, exactly. That is. If, if only the placemat was reflective, then everybody would get the real experience. I, I, I could probably, you know, simulate, like, the mouse by, like, having them have to hold the crayon with chopsticks or something. Maybe that yes. would make it a little more difficult. Right. Add to some of the, the, the complexity. The, <laughs> some people are also, also though, very good at drawing with mice. So you'll get, like, a very good... Yeah. All of my drawing that I've ever done is done with a mouse. I do not know how to draw with, like, a pencil or a stylus. <laughs> I can draw sketches... But I cannot draw like the final product. I have to use a mouse and Microsoft Paint. That's right, like that... my graphics program of choice, Microsoft Paint. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is you know, a medium is a medium. It's kind of kind of arbitrary as long as like what whatever gets the you know like I said whatever gets the job done. Yeah, I would say especially if you're dealing with pixels or something like. Uh, Drawing with a mouse is a little bit, I would say, more akin to maybe sculpting because you're constantly having to, like, go back and smooth out your lines and, you know, this pixel looks weird and jagged, so I have to trace over that part, like, carving out your little picture that you're making. Yeah. No offense to any of the sculptors that are listening. I know your job is a bit harder than drawing in Microsoft Paint, but right, cause, hopefully uh, you get what I mean. There's that problem of... Uh you eventually run out of stone and you're like, uh -oh. yeah, <laughs> can't just hit, uh, you know, control Z and you're back to square one again. Right. Oh, I'm back to my, my monolith because I control Z enough. <laughs> when my, when Microsoft paint introduced unlimited, like undos, that was one of the greatest moments in my artistic life. I think. Yeah. Cause back in the day, back in the day, you only had like four undos and then you were, you could not go further back than that. But isn't but that isn't that kind of its own? Uh, uh, I, I remember 
this is in that same vein. I saw uh, the artist Casey Green said something about to the effect of just like he just been like just going straight to ink, you know, just this idea is like I just want to go straight to ink and not think about it sometimes. Yeah. And I've been I tra- could... <laughs> sometimes I try to do uh, quote unquote straight to ink game design. <laughs> just I've done like, that. A, yeah, I've done that a few times. I think authorized likeness was like that. Like, I, I feel like I started it, and then I finished it on the same day. And it's like, I don't have time to refine this. If it works, it works. Right. So Luckily, it worked. Or just like, I'm just going to write uh, a ton of code and just hope it all works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, if it doesn't, I, uh, I suppose it doesn't. Uh, but well, I'll figure it out when I get there. Yeah kind of a cost benefit analysis too because if you put so much time in it into something like that especially for me because i never like announce anything that i'm making before i've released it so i could spend like months and months and months making something but there's no guarantee that anybody will look at it so i kind of have to you know pace myself and lower my expectations a little bit and uh yeah (laughs) i have to make make myself uh understand that i can put all of this effort into something but that does not mean that anybody's ever going to look at it i guess (laughs) yeah that's uh a weird it's a weird thing i have personally (laughs) run into with this project because uh, ostensibly the point of it is that i'm supposed to people are supposed to look at it on behalf of other people who (laughs) then don't have to worry about that so i'm like yeah I'm like, I run into that problem where I can't have that kind of like, ah, well, who cares if anyone likes it or not? I just enjoy making it. I was like, well, yeah. uh, um, theoretically making for the other 10 people that are inside of it, <laughs> expecting me to get people to look at it. Uh, that's also, but that's where like local events have come in huge because it's like, yeah. oh, these people like don't know. These people are not online uh, and they don't know what... <laughs> I, am. I feel like, yeah, I feel like social media has made people forget that the vast majority of people are not online. Yeah. Or like if, if they are online, they're online in very way more limited ways than like heavy social media users. Yes. Are. And I, I like, myself am super limited in the amount like that I'm online. If, if you went up to like a hundred people on the street and you mentioned like some obscure like thing that you saw that everybody on Twitter is talking about, none of them wouldn't have any idea what you're talking about. I have, I have friends who are, who use the internet. They're online to some degree. And I had to explain to them, uh, just having to do it to them, you know? Yeah. And then I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know what I mean by just, when you just had to do it to them. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, all of my work so far has only been online. Like I've only ever posted it on the internet. I've never shown anybody in person, but I feel like that's probably my best course of action. I have yeah. to get it in front of people, you know? Yeah. Like it really struck me this two months ago or whatever. Uh, I forget how, when it was, but you know, whenever, whenever the last time I did just like the, uh, the local market I do now monthly, cause I like it. Uh, yeah. and this, and this was like, I, I spent about four hours, in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, <laughs> which in like a farmer's market kind of place. And, and like my sales equaled basically uh, 
what I like my last week worth of indie apocalypse sales. Like my, yeah, it's wild. I'm like, oh right, it's because like people are going to these things to like find new stuff and like probably buy something and like to to experience like new art. When yeah. pe- people logging on every day are not necessarily there to do that. Yeah, that's the thing too with like social media. It feels like your feed is inundated with everybody trying to post their own thing that they made. That yeah. it's easy to just you you get lost in the crowd. Nobody wants to. It's like just another day at the office. Another guy posting his his video game or his art that he drew or whatever. Like I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just kind of that's also why I like doing things. It's like, easy to ignore, I guess. Yes, right. It's easy like uh do and it's like it, <laughs> if you're if you're posting them all, uh if you're if you are reposting them all, all right, then it just makes the noise different and <laughs> louder in a different way and it's it's why I like things like this. It's like I like to prefer like non-social media outlets to like yeah, bring attention to people and like hang out with people and like yeah. socialize and yeah it's kind of like what you were talking about earlier with uh, like sending things into the void and hoping people acknowledge them it's not yeah. a very good way to go about things <laughs> and i don't know why we've put up with it for so long but yeah it's uh it's very i, I had a thought recently anyway this where i was like even annoyed that like i was like why I'm, like I was find myself annoyed at people like oh, these 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 indie advocates. Why aren't they sharing my thing? But I'm like, I am actually. Uh, I find these people actually very these like. In, in, it was a specific case where I was like, actually, I find this person really annoying. Why did I care what they think about? <laughs> my yeah, work? I've had that experience too. Where it's like, uh, it's just because I, you know, there's the instinct to make yourself very low status. So it's like, oh, this person who's high status has to like my thing to to validate it. Yeah. But whatever. Anyway, scrounging. We're 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 at the end of our, uh, we're approaching the end of our you and I's time here. So you've had tons of prep time for these two important questions. Number one, what's your favorite type of rock? Uh, this is not going to be a very technical description, but I would say flat rocks that you can skip on water. That will be my favorite type of rock. Scrounging. You are joining an exclusive club. <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of my other guests, Yasmin, described something similar to like uh, the grungy rocks you find on train tracks. I similarly would collect rocks from train tracks, and they would they would be good for two things: skipping and throwing at things. <laughs> so I've never thrown rocks at things, but I definitely skip them on water. If well, maybe not, I have. I just don't remember. But if you're not throwing rocks at graffiti, <laughs> what, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, but that said, uh, do you have a favorite Toho character? So is Godzilla a Toho character? Godzilla is a Toho character. Godzilla is right, a so... Toho. If I could, that's a thing I don't know how to say. Uh, 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 with like the proper accent. It's kind of like you know how uh, if you're doing proper uh, uh, Espanol, you need to roll your R's. Yes. Um, I I'm bad at that. I can't do that very well. Uh, but I, I I generally don't do that because I feel like people would think I'm a tryhard, like I'm trying to impress somebody. <laughs> yes. Well, I was I was good. Like, 
I, I think I'm, I still have a decent baseline <laughs> of Spanish inside of me, but like I was like, I was towards the top of, of my classes and even college Spanish, but I just, but it was a weakness of mine where I could not roll R's at all. It's just a skill. And a, but the point is, uh, T-O-U-H-O-U, I don't know how to pronounce. I don't know the correct emphasis to put on that in, uh, speaking in English. Because Godzilla yeah, sure. is a, a, a Toho, T-O-H-O character. Okay, yeah, see, that's where I got confused. I only know really Godzilla from that company or that specific. <laughs> I don't know the other one. Let me look it up really quick. I'm talking Toho, uh, the uh, the longstanding Bullet Hell franchise with oh, you know what? and witches and yokai. I'm going to say I don't know anything about that then. And that gives me something to look up later on and experience for myself. Yes, well, make yeah, sure to join. I'll get back to you maybe. Make sure, make sure to join us on uh, issue 50 of Indiepocalypse, where I'm hard committing at this point inconsistently to be like, uh, during the next Indiepocalypse Pledge Drive to host Toho 101, for all you out there who want to learn about Toho, but don't quite know where it is or what to start. Uh, that said, FUBAR's coming up. FUBAR's found its focus on the screen again. You know what that means. It's time to go to another break. Uh, Scrounge for Cats Up, thanks for joining uh, me here today us here today thanks for having me um we'll see everyone else in roughly one minute and 36 seconds and goodbye for now welcome back to indiepocalypse radio that was a weather day with come in that's i, I put the wrong emphasis on that <laughs> there was i kind of emphasized it like there was an exclamation point in there there was not um I was just having fun with it. Um, everyone's back. This is the group segment. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, hello. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't know anyway, if saying hello to us or the or the audience. So. I, I don't listen. Indiepocalypse Radio. We don't speak to the audience here. <laughs> this is a one-way street here in Indiepocalypse okay. Town. We rule the roost here. Exactly. Sometimes I will uh, allude to the audience, but generally, sometimes I'll, I I do because I feel bad because it feels like people are just like there's an expectation on Twitch TV that uh, people will interact with you. Your favorite streamer will talk to you and call you by your name to be. You're like, not going to get very very many subscriptions only no. talking to us. No, I'm not going to be and, like and bits or whatever they're called. I don't. Oh, thank you. Not a very big Twitch. Per- which person? Oh, thank, thank you, thank you, Bonglord420 for the 69 bits. Nice, <laughs> very funny. No, I am not your 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 dancing monkey. I do not. I'm a radio host uh, that happens to be on Twitch.tv. It's it's a life I can't live. It's just not. It just does not appeal to me as a as a creative individual to li- to do that kind of thing. And I tolerate it in streams that I watch. But every time I go on Twitch, the entire chat is like nothing but like Pepe's Pepe the Frog. And I I'm think like, lots of emojis. Yeah. What year is this? I think you're in the wrong Twitch. You need to find different Twitches. It's any Twitch I've ever clicked on. So, yeah, to be it's... fair, that's probably like three ever that I've ever right. clicked on. So I, I enjoy like I enjoy some streaming. I enjoy watching streamed content. Uh, now and again, 
Pri- primarily, though, I think what I watch live is just like fighting games. I, yeah, fighting games are fun to watch. I like it's it's me tuning into Evo or. Oh, that reminds me. Oh, go ahead. No, I have to do. I have to issue a correction. I forgot to issue a correction on this show. Um, I misattributed the mystery game tournament. I believe. I, I believe I said CEO held the mystery game tournament. That was incorrect. I, I think I attributed to CEO and Frosty Faustings. Um, that is incorrect. I think Frosty. I believe while Frosty Faustings does host a uh, mystery game tournament, CEO at least does not prominently. Uh, host a mystery game tournament uh the the uh the one i was thinking of i'm drawing oh no it, it, the other the one i was thinking of was another midwestern tournament it was combo breaker uh uh is the other one that famously hosts a mystery tournament but i saw ceo jabaley within combo breaker the, i think the last one i watched and i think maybe that screwed up screwed up my brain crossed my wires so uh official apologies to combo breaker <laughs> as if people are holding me to task of uh fighting games anyway anyway <laughs> uh i'm very particular about as as uh alluded to in the break zone and me getting and or just listening to the show me getting uppity about dates albums being dated incorrectly <laughs> I, I like to be correct about things um and one of those things is the mystery tournament which it's a real pleasure if you haven't seen, um, if you never watched, if you're even if you're not a fighting game fan, I think mystery tournaments are fun. Uh, they are people learning what is, where are the shodos? How can I win? Who is the most <laughs> broken fighting game character? Uh, that sounds fun. Yeah, there. Is playing, it on Twitch? Uh, th- th- I I watch them on YouTube after the fact. Oh, okay. I usually do that too with like yeah. uh, horror game streamers and stuff. Yes, yes. Usually the only one I catch live is Evo, uh, because I remember. That's the big one, right? Yeah, that's the big one. That's where people. That's because it's a thing. I feel like uh, if anything, if any competitive games uh, have like that kind of like broad main, like you know, crossover appeal, as I say, it's it's fighting games. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because you know what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> very straightforward. Yeah, like maybe you don't know what all the different meters do, but you can go. Those two people are beating each other up, and at the end, one of them is still <laughs> yeah. standing. Fist meets face. <laughs> yes, the oldest sport. <laughs> well, your your discussion of uh, dirt sheets earlier unlocked a memory just now when you yeah. mentioned CEO because CEO the fighting game tournament hosted. AEW All Elite Wrestling a few years ago when they first started up. Okay. And I believe the host of CEO actually participated in a wrestling match like for the pre-show. Let me see. AEW (laughs) Jabaley. I think that was him. Otherwise, I'm going to have to issue a correction. No, he is. Alex Jabaley. I I can tell you confidently Alex Jabaley is the CEO of... He has a a Pro Wrestling wiki, Wiki entry. He is a part-time Canadian wrestler. Uh, but did he? He did some New Japan stuff. But did he participate in AEW? That I'm not sure. I oh, know. Yeah, here it is. A for, uh, for fight forever tournament with Jibaley. Uh, who knows? Anyway, 
I can't spend forever studying it. But yeah, no, CEO is hosting a wrestling ring. It's super fun. They do like big, uh, like, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, they do like nice wrestling entrances. Yeah. Oh, there's one. There's one. Okay. I'm trying to think of the. Now this is me just regaling people at fighting games. I like. Uh, I did look it up. Michael Nakazawa defeated Alex Jabaley in a hardcore match. Yeah. So. There is how do I how do I look this up? There is a there's a player who there's there's a good video about him. I forget what uh I forget what YouTube channel it was on. I think it was a fighting you know, it was obviously a fighting game centric one. Yeah. Uh there but uh Mono, Mono, he is from uh, is he where is Mono from? Is Mono from the Dominican Republic? Um Mono fighting games. What, what as I, I say this uh, uh, audience, what is your not audience, but fellow panelists, what is your familiar as I spend a lot of time talking about fighting games, what is your familiarity <laughs> with fighting games? Uh like general familiarity, like I have played some of the Street Fighters. Uh Soul Calibur is my biggest one yeah. that I've followed. Um yeah. And Bloody Roar for a really brief time. <laughs> uh, he is from Mono is from Puerto Rico. I'm glad you asked cool. that question because recently, like for the past few days, I've been playing a lot of the original Mortal Kombat games. Okay. In a in a DOS box emulator. Oh, so you're playing dumb. a great version of those games. <laughs> no, they are. They're actually surprisingly well made. Okay. I was shocked. I, and I, Super Street Fighter Two Turbo also received a DOS port, which is yes. very good. That is, I I was pre DOS is like I think I was vaguely aware of DOS, but it mostly predates my uh, gaming uh, period as a child. Yeah, I never had like a PC as a kid. I think the first time I got a PC was when I was 14, and it didn't even have an internet connection for like the first six months we owned it. <laughs> so I had like no knowledge of any of that stuff. Yeah, I basically had um, uh, <laughs> Blizzard games because they ran easily. <laughs> Blizzard games... It was like my I think my PC gaming was Diablo, StarCraft, and The Sims. <laughs> I think the only PC game I ever owned when I was that age was The Secret of Monkey Island. No, yeah, I did. And that's only because I played Escape from Monkey Island on the PS2, which is probably the worst way to play it. But oh, that's how I, I played it. Yes, your did your audio <laughs> did indeed cut out. Oh no. We were not talking over you. If you can hear us speak. Uh, yeah, no, I bought a PS. I I bought a PS2 version of Escape from Monkey Island, and is that how I, I might have even played it? I don't remember. Yeah, that's <laughs> how I got into Monkey Island. Was playing that game. That is, and I like, thought it was so funny. I remember lending it out to my friend. Like, you have to play this game. It's so funny. <laughs> that that is such a weird. I actually I do really like a weird ways of getting into. Uh, uh, like you know, beloved series and that kind of thing. Yeah, but... I could not even tell you like how I even came to own that game on the PlayStation. Like where the first time I played it is, I could uh... not tell you. I just know that I owned it. <laughs> that was the first place. That's one I... of the sad things. Oh. Ooh, welcome back. Hello, you. We can hear you now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To 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 
catch up a little bit i also love soul caliber okay. uh that was my jam and like bloody roar like i remember being like a kid and renting the games with like the playstation one that i definitely shouldn't have been playing it was uh bloody roar and like primal fury or primal rage or whatever you play as like dinosaurs and apes oh, yeah. and stuff I about that yeah. one. Oh my god i was playing yeah. a bit of that this week too it was so like gory and terrible um <laughs> but uh yeah um oh but i lost track of what the thing i was actually going to say when i hop back in anyway continue um i'm going to close my tabs and close these thoughts uh, uh i forget what the video is but there's a video about mono if you look it up about his like his uh, uh run with fang and uh i was like like uh, I misattribute the country because I've you see I'm, I'm an old school guy so I was like unrepresenting country what about PR Belrog uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway it, it's very I was thinking of that because he enters the, the stage where like he's on people's shoulders and he's like there was a, a, a joke a running thing going where he was like running tournaments down in Puerto Rico and like charging they charge people for water or something at an event so he's <laughs> like Handing out to Sonny's and people giving him money as he was. It's like, it's so high energy. Uh, and fighting games feel immensely like of the people as far as uh, esports go. That's why you get like so many people from all over the world. And, you know, it's bored of um, if you're playing like League of Legends or Counter Strike, you need like a PC. Uh, yeah, it's very specific. Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, you could grow up playing fighting games at, at your locals or just like at an arcade for like, quarters it was yeah it was it was the people's sport and it kind of uh, bred that culture in terms of viewing in terms of audience uh no i'm not a big i i've established i'm not a pro gamer yes uh but i think of fighting games the matches tend to be faster yeah so like i'm thinking mm-hmm. of like if you're watching like because like starcraft 2 got really big into like esports that sort of thing. Like, I could not imagine sitting there watching a StarCraft game. Like, I love playing StarCraft yeah. as a game, and like, especially with the world editor mode. I could not imagine like sitting there and watching people play StarCraft, even if it was like a really well played game. Like, that's that's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, a, a fighting game. Like, that's action. That's exciting. That's yeah. Yeah, it's it's a weird game. I, I I've known people that were like really into StarCraft too growing up, and even then, I remember there was times where like. Uh, they'd be like, yeah, you want to hang out? Just like, just watch. This is really cool. And then like, I'd watch for like 10 minutes and be like, I think if I was in your position, I would find this really cool. But I'm yeah. kind of a little bit bored that's, watching it. No, I, I, That's cruel. And I'm sorry that somebody did that to you. That's awful. I, <laughs> I, I, well, like, they didn't do it for too long. <laughs> but they were just kind of like, oh my God, I'm so into this. And then I was like, oh. Yeah. I, I know so much. I respect I, that you're into it, but... Yeah, I, I similarly know someone who like had that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I wasn't subscribed, so I don't know what it was. But there was that you know that Korean service that you had to subscribe to, like to like get the StarCraft two matches, and then you would tell me about oh, yeah. like describe like how StarCraft two. And it sounds like I I like when other people like things, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like infectious. Like even if I'm never gonna sit there and watch, I do like to hear like descriptions of like. There's a guy. Uh, I learn. I like to hear. I like to learn about fruit dealer. You know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, MMM. I think was was it make more marines? Was there a guy called MMM? Anyway, mm. uh, th- th- that's me when I'm talking about uh, 
the 2012 uh, Mad KOF versus Bala match in Evo when they played KOF 13. I think it's amazing, and I it's it's a it's a it's peak peak fighting games. Uh, and I highly, if you're if you're out there and you're unsure of like uh, watching competitive fighting games, you don't know where to start. You go, you just fire up uh, Mad KOF versus Bala, and you're like, uh, fighting games, they're good. Or or you watch some Evo Dragon Ball matches and hear the crowd yell when <laughs> when Goku yeah. yells and the crowd also yells. That's like there's like there's at some point uh, there's like you know there's people rushing the stage. There's like you know there's like Mexican huge Mexican flags floating around the background. It's like man, it's it's this is esports. But anyway, they're very high energy. It's just fun. Yeah, it's it, it feels like they're right there. They're ready to hop on the stage the second the guy wins. <laughs> anyway, fighting games. I get uh, whipped up because I love them. Uh, 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 t- to the crowd, is, is there anything that uh, you love that you're like, oh, man, I recognize that I love this, but I wish my friends did too, but it is just me. Hmm. That's, a hard- <laughs> That's a hard one to think about, actually. I know one of the things that I like. I'm super into. I'm okay that my friends aren't into it. Yeah. But like, yeah. I got my puzzle game on my phone. I play Picris a lot. Yeah. That's like it's also called Nonograms. It's where like you got the numbers at the top and and you're pretty much like solving puzzles to make pixel art. I probably play that game way too much. And every now and then, like I'll make one. I'm like, oh, that was really cool. Like I should share it with people. And I'm like, they don't care. <laughs> Nobody cares that I just made a pixel puzzle. Right. And it's like it. The one that I play, it's got, like, this whole, like, resource management thing, too. Like, you solve puzzles, and it's, it's like, a really intense. It's just, like, a mobile game. Total, like, basic mobile game. Um, but it's, like, a lot of fun. And, like, everyone's like, oh, like, I, I uh, built a little new building in my little village. And, like, no, I can't tell people that. They don't <laughs> care. <laughs> yeah, basically, if it isn't, like, Madden or FIFA, nobody I know wants to hear about. Or Call of Duty, nobody wants to hear about a video game. I don't want to hear about those video games. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <laughs> Nobody wants to hear about the video game I'm playing, I guess. Yeah. Um, I would love to watch things like that. Like, I think about this a lot with sport, like um, analog sports, I guess, the one with, where they have balls and gear yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, nets. Um, I like. I would. I, I know a lot of people get really, really into football, and they'll talk about football, and they'll talk about the different things going on with football, and they get really excited, and they have the teams, and they have the different things. But it's like it's so much. I would love a like. I love a reality TV show. I love Dragula. I love like Great British Bake Off. Like I love. Oh, I love. Great give British. me a crisply edited football season as a season of television, and like a little cutaway. Uh, interviews with the players good soundtrack cool hosts and judges like i don't need every moment of every game just trim it down for me and i think that's part of like when somebody loves a thing and they're telling you about it they're doing a lot of editing yeah they're telling you the really good stuff they're skipping <laughs> over like the the bulk of it and like yeah you don't you don't i don't need all that some people do i don't that is like I wonder if anyone has. It feels like a thing that somebody should have tried already by now. Uh. I think the hard part is with a lot of that stuff. Seeing it live, seeing it as it happens, is so important. Right. That the turnaround time of an editing show 
or like the the editing and turnaround and release of uh, a show like that. I, I don't know what the market is for that. I mean, maybe yeah. somebody's doing like a, a, a fan cut on YouTube or something. I bet. Yeah, how many people? How many sports games are there that you like? You go back and rewatch. I guess. Yeah. That's... Some people do. I heard there's a really good um, fighting game match from 2012. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's two guys <laughs> yeah. I think they're called Mad Caleb and Bala. They're uh... yeah. <laughs> that that's the same thing. That's that's one of the few that I will go back and like. Usually around Evo time, I will fire that match back up and I'll watch it again. And if I'm lucky by then, I've forgotten who wins. I get sucked into the thrill of it again, but I remember. Uh, but yeah, I think no. people go. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're the host. Why do I keep telling you to go ahead? You should be like, wait. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm talk. here. Every, I'm here anyway. every week. If you want to hear me ramble about KOF matches, I'll be here next week to do that. <laughs> I feel like people definitely watch sports highlights to like. Yeah. Maybe to like relive a time in their life, like oh, this was like the best time ever. I loved watching this back in the day, but also to like argue with people. You know, yeah. if you ever go on like a sports video on YouTube, there's people like rival teams like arguing in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> it's that social media like drive to argue with people. I right. think it like. <laughs> and there's it's like there's... the default mode of communication on social media yeah. is to argue. <laughs> Yeah, because like, what happens if we just agree? Do we just all go yes? And then <laughs> silence. <laughs> I, that was I a feel good like... game. Well played. Yeah, glad we all agree. Yeah, upvoting is probably one of the worst things that ever happened to the internet. I yeah, I still, <laughs> I still maintain that the worst thing that is still uh, personalized feeds. In terms yeah, of, in terms of social media, like being socializing, uh, like uh, forums. Or truly, like, I mean, I just guess Discord servers sort of do that, but people, like, I don't know. There's a different energy to Discord servers, I think, in some cases. I find, yeah, I find Discord servers to be very daunting to join because it's, like, a whole group of people who already knows each other. Right. And then you have to jump into that. A form for is a, a, form a, a fresh start. Yeah. yeah. And well, it's well, just real time. Yeah, it's real time, so it's intimidating, I think, is what the problem is. Yeah. I was on a server the other Oh, go ahead, Phoenix. Oh no, it's okay. I just said yeah. Like I was just I was just agreeing. <laughs> yeah. I was on a server where somebody was like, Oh, this conversation happened earlier today. I don't want to necro it. Like, no, I came up on for it. Like necroing is like once it's six months or like a year old, like you don't yeah. pull back threads of like a year old, like that conversation happened earlier in the day. Yeah, quote, reply. That's what the reply function is. So we're like, oh, but like, <laughs> we're from like time zones all over. Like, ne- that's not necro. Also, we're TTRPG people. We like necromancers. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a king of, like, I will, I love, if I'm a necroing conversations, that's the, that's the spice of life is bring is sitting on something and stewing on it for six months and going, hey, remember, remember this. <laughs> Remember these tools have uh, like the the search functions. Discord yeah. has a search function. Messenger uh, has a search function. I have absolutely searched things that people said like months ago because I wanted to remember like what was that thing that they talked about and I, like search was like oh I finally looked up this thing you mentioned like two months ago. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Nonlinear time. It's important. <laughs> I remember something. Uh, this is. Oh, go ahead, Phoenix. Okay. Oh, okay. No, I was going to say, I, I remember somebody was saying that, uh, like, with, like, nonlinear time and, like, uh, uh, Discord and stuff like that, that they, that uh, 
they were trying to figure out like different ways you could use Discord's nonlinear uh, functions for like for a tabletop RPG kind of situation. Like if you were doing like a really long campaign of like Vampire the Masquerade or something, and you wanted to kind of like keep up on multiple timelines of yeah different events going on, that kind of thing. So I cut my teeth on uh um play by post game like the first game like when i was way too young to be doing it but like the first games i I played a virtual battle school which was an enders game thing where like it was a play by post forum rpg of like you're just like kids in a battle school which like when you look back at it like that's messed up that wasn't why did we want to be in that space that wasn't a good (laughs) space to be in um but like i think that's very cool there's actually a game that i've been wanting to play that it's called this discord has ghosts Oh, um, I played that. That was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think stuff like that is really cool. Yeah. That was that was a really cool thing. I, I I wasn't one of the players, but I was one of the I can't remember what they called it, but I think they call it it was either spirit or but like there was a bunch of us that would give hints to the players during the session where if they cool. entered a certain room and they were about to get haunted or something, we would uh give them emoji hints or something like that. Um, and oh, but we neat. weren't allowed to talk to them directly. So, so it was just like, they were getting like vibes, I guess, off of like what, what we were <laughs> pointing towards, um, before they started really actually, uh, like bringing in all the audio aspects and stuff like that. That was fun. There's a lot of different, cool. yeah, it's, it's, um, actually, Oh my god, what was I going to say? Um, don't remember. <laughs> but yeah, but that that's that's a really cool game actually. I, I would um if if you ever get a chance to play it, I would recommend it to anyone. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I do really just like enjoy that approach of how can we use this space it, like either to play games or to do something differently um and in the server that they, we're in there's a lot of that forum nostalgia and i think post twitter exodus where we all ran to different platforms mm-hmm. and like right now i'm spread super thin i'm simultaneously uh reintroducing myself to both mastodon and uh like trying to figure out blue sky yeah. and like <laughs> i camped on my username on threads and the, like I don't, but like I, I genuinely enjoy co-hosts. It's like I'm. This is too much. Yeah, it's a lot. So, it's very much atomized now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have you considered my favorite option? Um, host a weekly radio show. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I keep like thinking like I should just find like a rant like n- new social media. The comment sections on recipes. Yeah. Websites. Like, hey, let's just all meet up on this one Google Doc and post our edits and leave comments and resolve those comments once we're done talking about it. Like, why do we don't let's not play by the rules anymore. But uh, also, I want to try to sell games. So that that also doesn't work. <laughs> right. That is right. That is the, the problem I've. But also, what if you just go to your local craft market and. <laughs> I do. Oh my god, I love craft markets. Yeah. I'm so glad you yeah. said that. And like, yeah, I I would love if video game people like somebody just has a TV set up on their thing or like yeah. their computer and yeah. they're like running a game. That'd be that'd be awesome to see that next to all the, you know, knit 
things and scented candles and yeah i don't know yeah that'd be awesome i highly recommend all the gamers i can't i don't have a tape within arm's reach but uh those tapes those tapes that i do are a super cheap way to sell digital games that looks cool and people are like ah it's cool tapes and then they flip them over and they see a usb stick inside they're like oh that's still cool sometimes it's cooler (laughs) that's super cool Uh, i like that idea it's like uh, I stole it from people who put Game Boy games inside of those. And I was like, huh, Game Boy games, eh? What if I put USB sticks? For my 30th birthday, which I won't say how long ago that was, I realized that I had released 30 games of varying sizes. Some yeah. of them were pretty small. So um, I did like a giveaway on some of my social medias where I put them all onto discs. I just had like blank discs and like I drew on them with Sharpies and like I had little jewel cases and I did like a printout like now that's what I call games 30 Um, and like I gave away like five of them and it was just like yeah this is I miss making mixtapes for people and burning discs and I don't know. Me too. I, I used to actually have a bunch of DVD R's because I did that at one point, but then I ran into a problem where people uh, don't have as disk drives anymore. Don't have disk drives anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh. Uh, I mean, I myself had to buy a, a external DVD writer, so that says mm-hmm. a lot about as someone who I, my computer does have a disk drive, but did not have a writer capabilities. So that's kind of put that on the back burner for a while until i found a way to properly display usb sticks because i knew i like ah usb sticks but how do i make them look nice i think that's really cool though because a lot of people have have that that uh like i find that's that's um how do i put it there's certain like formats like like with the tape like the tape cassette thing or um, like a DVD package per se or something like that. Or like it just, it has like a a really strong, I don't know. It just like, it evokes a certain kind of headspace, I guess. Like even when you're somebody who might be like, I don't know, Gen Z or something like that. And they don't have as much of like a direct link to mixtape type stuff. Like everyone kind of, I find has like a pretty general sense of like that, like, Oh, you know, do it yourself. And like, yeah. Um, you know, putting together a bunch of different stuff that you think would, you know, go together really well and compliment it yeah. and, and like give it to somebody that you think like, you know, yeah, you would, you would probably like these five things. I right. put it together. for you. Like I myself have no real nostalgia I, for, I never, I never owned a tape, you know, uh, like I have. I when I was <laughs> when I was a kid, I had this little R two D two cassette player, and I had like an Elvis greatest hits, and I was like four, and I loved that thing. My my parents had cassettes. I never had any cassettes of my own. I think my first CD was a corn CD because I was <laughs> like a on very, purpose. Know what my first CD is? Because I was a very cool kid, uh, of course. <laughs> I think the first uh, think... album I ever bought with my own money was Harvey Danger, Where Have All the Merrymakers Gone? And it's still one of my favorites. I, I that or Weird Al. I cannot vouch for my uh, enjoyment still of corn. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I think uh, the first CD I ever received was the Pokemon To Be a Master soundtrack for my 12th birthday. That one was great. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was not a nerd. <laughs> no, I was. I just wasn't. I wasn't liking nerds. This isn't a show for nerds. <laughs> nerds. God, I'm going to. My arms are going to be so much tired. See, the th- one thing about doing this show every week is my arms get so tired from all the wedgies I have to give to all these nerds that show up on the show. <laughs> but, you got to show them their place. Yeah, go, how dare you enjoy things <laughs> publicly. Uh, and then but, uh, come here and share more of it. Uh, anyway, uh, I did not uh, own that I was uh, too cool. Or maybe, I don't know. Who knows? I watched Pokemon. I played all the Pokemon games. I had all 150. We had Link Cables. And then... First Pokemon video game I ever owned was Sun, actually. I was I was slow to that boat. Well, I, yeah, I, was, I was a Digimon kid. I, was... I still play Digimon the trading card games sometimes. Nice. I, I think we played it a couple times, but... Like an adult, I, I I put away Pokemon and I started playing SMT and MTG uh, uh, games, for, uh, monster breeding and card games for adults, of course. <laughs> uh, the sophisticated for games. But uh, I do. I, uh, just even saying it, uh, it's like it's it's cursed worm wriggles into my brain again. Go, you should. What if I played Magic the Gathering? It's like a it's like a game you design and play at the same time. Magic the Gathering feels like you need a PhD to play it. I've watched videos of people playing it, and I just do not understand it. That's the pleasure of it. Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! feels like you need a master's degree to play it. Like, I do not understand Yu-Gi-Oh! at all. I've tried. I just don't get it. That It's the beauty of legacy games, where they just have so much stuff in them. <laughs> games full of stuff. But uh, I think Pokemon's probably the same way now. There's probably just so much stuff in Pokemon that I don't get it. But I basically uh, stick to like the very original sets because I understand how to play that one. There's too much detail in the new ones. Right. I do play them sometimes, but yeah, <laughs> I'll stick with what I know. Speaking of sticking with what I know, what I know is how to end a show. <laughs> because we are we are we are approaching two hours here on the show. And I think that's a good length for a show, you know, especially because it often drags long past that. But I need to, I need to start ramping up, you know. This is where your your GPS says the next exit is in uh, two miles. <laughs> uh, does anyone have any any pressing last minute statements uh, that they need to get out? Any questions for anyone else that they said? Oh, I I got to say this before the show ends. So I Google stocked scrounging for cats up and uh but Phoenix, I missed what your URL is, where where oh, your site is. We're getting okay. to that. We're getting to that. That's that's the Taylor, you're jumping ahead of the gun. We're gonna get to that. <laughs> okay. So like my GPS said next exits in two yeah. miles and I just cranked the wheel. That's what I'm I just thought. like, all right. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> now you are lost, you took two exits too early. You're you're that situ- we're not doing the situation where it's like take the next right but there's two rights coming up and you get nervous and you take the first one. Uh, no, this is, uh, we got plenty of space for the plug. Plugs will be, plugs will arrive shortly. This is the, the wind up the plug town. 
plug uh, your GPS is saying two miles to Plugtown, and right now we are uh, killing time while we get there. But uh, uh, so if that was the only question, we could actually move straight to there. <laughs> Jin, um, I think this isn't really a question. It's more of like a. It's not a. Well, maybe it is a plug. You know what? Maybe I'll just wait. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, no, I was gonna say uh, during my segment, I totally forgot to like explain what the game that I'm very, very, very slowly working on is, is called. Yes, I, I, I thought about asking, is. but then you're like backburned. So I thought maybe you didn't want it's, to. Yeah, no, it's okay. Because <laughs> that's the thing too. I was thinking, eh, I'm not sure, but you know, I should just probably just say it. Yeah. What, um, Phoenix, what's this game you're working on? <laughs> uh, so it is, it's based in Twine. Uh, it might become a different platform at some point, but it's uh, basically a choice-based dialogue mostly game uh based off of a lot of gothic stories that i like i called it the wraith and the basic elevator elevator pitch of it is you are your sister's jailer and you must interrogate her to find out whether or not she is an eldritch being or not so that's what i've been working on for a while uh it's changing shape over time and it's sort of loosely based off of two of my protagonists from playthroughs of different Dragon Age games and stuff like that. So perfect. That's and, what I've been and you know, that's actually a perfect segue into uh, Phoenix. Where can people find stuff like this? Where can people find your work online? Okay. Well, uh, my, I go by my name, Phoenix Sims on most platforms. That's with two uh, M's. So yes, two M's, not one. I don't speak Simlish. Yes. Uh, but, um, that would be cool if I did. Uh, I am Phoenix Sims dot Sky dot social on blue sky. I'm also Phoenix Sims on co-host. Uh, and same for Twitter, although I'm fairly dead on there right now. Um, oh, you and you can X. find com. <laughs> X. <laughs> so spike tv yes um we're, bring, we're bringing yeah. it back g spin g4 back up the, again for the third g4. time oh, give no. it a third go round. third time's a charm yeah, yeah it, it um i have a muckrack um portfolio if people want to see the stuff that i work um work on both at unwinnable and at paced games uh and again i'm just at phoenix sims so yeah it's pretty easy to find me yeah just pretty much any platform uh never one i my number one recommendation is hey have a website number two recommendation is yep just use your name for everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do have a website but it's very it needs to be updated yeah so i'm but not you've, you've done the other it. thing where you're still just as easy to find because it's just yeah. your name <laughs> yeah just my name uh, high, the harder you are to find, the just make yourself easy to find online. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 Taylor, where are you know? I should put I should put one of those things in there. I want to put your. I always forget to put uh, these things. I want to. Oh, I. Uh, friend of friend of the show, a fellow contributor. I did not see that there. Wait, I don't see a banner. <laughs> this is this is copied from something else. <laughs> <laughs> Your muckrack is copied from something else. I see. 
What, Taylor's book wreck? Or mine? No, yours. Oh, mine? Yeah. What? Because it says, uh, it says banner of uh, Lena Wu. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's no banner here on Muckrack. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I did that. When I signed up for, for Muckrack, I don't actually know how to change that. But they just kind of pulled everything from my Twitter account yeah. and then just slapped it on there. Yeah. So, like, yeah, my banner on Twitter behind me is by Lena Wu. But, yeah. yeah I, was I don't know why I did. Shout out to a past contributor, friend of the show. Uh, Lena Wu. Yeah. Small world, as it turns out. It's always very small. <laughs> it's always very small. I'm always surprised. Like, oh, these look at all these people who all know each other. <laughs> uh, that said, oh, I did post it in there. Good. I'm on top of things. Uh, Taylor, back to you. Where can we find your stuff? Uh, yeah. So, I'm. I'm. Taylor, I used to be Taylor Smith. Uh, then I got married. I tried doing Taylor Curry Smith for a minute. That was a mouthful. So now I'm mostly just Taylor Curry. Um, and that's C-U-R-E-Y. Yes. Um, but really, I am uh, Whimsy Machine, Whimsy Machine Media on a lot of the the social medias, which I've been seeing uh, abbreviated as S-O-C-M-E-D, Sokmed. And I like that because it sounds like an Egyptian god where all this... <laughs> praising sock med no it, um, it sounds like it sounds like the kind of thing an outsider would take when he gets sick <laughs> oh also that yeah um sorry sorry the opponents so, yeah. of the outsiders i'm on uh whimsy machine dot media is my website and then i'm on blue sky mastodon uh the co-host threads i guess not really on instagram that's mostly just selfies and cat photos yeah um but it's still use the whimsy machine handle because I don't know how to social media. Um, I'm making mostly uh, tabletop role-playing games, and I've got some for sale book style. Like you, you can buy some of them in bookstores, and so that's a neat thing, I think. Um, but a lot of smaller ones on Itch.io. Um, and then uh, I've been doing more fiction writing, and uh, I, think, I think the pre-order's open for a couple more days. Um, I for a anthology that I'm in called Splatter Painting, which is inspired by like 80s slasher camp horror, uh, where all the different writers kind of center their stories on a different character, but they're all characters in one town, and it's one collected story of just like a killer comes to town and it's carnage, uh, and then I, it has a bunch of artists that did a, a bunch of cool art. So that's uh, Splatter Painting by Vinegar Scenes and that's a very cool looking book that i got to be a part of perfect scrounger for cats up where can people find your stuff uh, i am on itch.io as scrounging for cats up scrounging for cats up dot itch.io i think that's how the url is formatted it, yes and i am also four with a that's on... for the number yes for the number and that's cat... what i was talking about when i said my name is a nightmare and it cats is up for with the a number. c yes Catsup Which I think C. is I think is the the proper way to spell cats up, but you never <laughs> Correct. know. And then I also have a Neo City site, scroungingforcatsup.neocities.org. It's all of the same games that you can find on itch, but I usually post like what I was thinking when I was making the game, kind of yeah. a postmortem, I guess. So you can go there if you want to learn more about my games and my game making process. That's the other nice thing about your own website. You don't have to pay for one; you just get a Neo Cities. Yeah, exactly. Do go throw it, 
throw it all back to the old uh, GeoCity style. Your Lycos, your Angel Fires. I was around for that. I do. Yeah, me too. I visited me Alta Vista. I, I, fair, I visited Alta my Vista. fair of shrines. Uh, I, I am I am building my own version of uh, the anime web turnpike on my own website. Oh my god, I, I remember that. <laughs> I I thought it was like how do people find things? So I if you go to, if you and I have the URL, I have indiepike.com. So if you go to indiepike.com, you will find a link of a bunch of game developers and like games adjacent people. And it's just, you know what, folks? It's just a, a link, a big fat page of URLs with with he- with headers, you know? Great. Um, highly, and it's free to join. You can join it, too. Um, it, it feels weird to promote stuff, but it's like, I don't make money on it. It's, it's a page with URLs <laughs> on it. It's I gain, really cool, though. I gain nothing from it. And you gain the ability to look and go, look at all these cool little games on there. It's nice to share other people's work that you like. Yeah. Partially because you, you feel like hopefully someday somebody will do that about your work too. At least for me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's nice. That's it's nice how to I, think maybe yeah. somebody sees it and thinks, oh, somebody actually appreciated what I did. That's how I, anyway. I found so much stuff uh, in my youth was just like people's like, you know, uh, it was a lot of primarily i would find new web comics by people would share all their friends links in there like they every it was like every page by default had one uh you know link cool links page i think everyone yeah. should have a i think if you have a website you should have a links to my friends page section definitely yeah i used yeah, to find that's a, a lot of idea. artists that way yeah on early internet and yeah it, it seems to be kind of like it doesn't happen as often but i i kind of I always appreciate that. Even on YouTube, if you go to like uh, whatever channel you're following, if you yeah. go to their channels section where they promote other people's channels, I always like it when they fill out that section because if I like them, chances are I'm probably going to like whatever they're promoting too. Yeah. It's, it's like that's actually that's actually the way to get away from the algorithm. It's not like a different social media site that uses it differently or doesn't use one. It's your own damn website. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true. Well, because like well, in- invariably, uh, anything that is like uh, a social media site, like if you go on any of them, you can see uh, which power users have translated over to which social media sites. Yeah, that's true. And have become the the top hen of the roost. Uh, but speaking of speaking of roosts and hens, uh. Uh, if you want to help Indiepocalypse become the goose that laid the golden egg, as they say, which I think means profitable, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can go to Indiepocalypse.com. You can buy Indiepocalypse. Get out of my freaking spider on my monitor. What are you doing here? You are not allowed. I have a, a very cordial relationship with the spiders around here. They eat bugs that I don't like. They hang around, but they don't, they're not allowed. I have my zone from the monitors that where they're not allowed. <laughs> but uh, like I, I vacuum, I go look at all these these spider leavings. Those are those are other insects that I do not like, and spiders got rid of them. Uh, I got distracted, but I was saying, you go to indiepocalypse.com. You can buy them from my own website. You can go to itch.io. You can buy them there too. 
uh, either way works. You, technically, they're on sale on my site because I want more people to just be able to buy things from my own website because I the money comes in way faster and I think I take less of a, a I go through less processing fees. Uh, and plus, you know, if, if other sites collapse, it's good to have your own website. Uh, uh, those tapes I was talking about earlier, if you want a physical edition of Indiepocalypse, uh, you can go to indiepocalypse.com slash tapes. You can get mystery tapes if you don't know which of the 46 of them you would want to get. Uh, you can just get them randomly. And I I was I said this morning, but I think it's nice to like, is it like a mystery science theater thing about this the, the idea of keep circulating the tapes is that where that comes from uh or keep spraying the so. keep spraying the tapes and i was thinking like yeah i like that idea of just like you know if you get a copy of indie apocalypse a physical edition just trade it with friends you know pass them around like if you just put them on your drive and just like move <laughs> there's no drm you just track click on the the Indiepocalypse zip and copied your computer, pass it off to a friend. It's all good with me. Uh, you can, in fact, copy that floppy. Uh, just don't sell them. That'd be weird. That'd be weird. Uh, but yeah, just like pass them around. Even in the, in the boundlessness of the internet, I think it's good to ha still also have a bunch of physical stuff floating around. It preserves it. I have like a bunch of indie games on my computer from like decades ago, and I think some of them you cannot get online anywhere anymore. I basically never delete like a zip file because I never know if it's going to disappear forever. Yeah. So I have it all on my hard drive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. I I think I quite literally have in my full. Like I was working through the folder, and I have a folder that is not online anymore. So I have <laughs> theoretically some games that are just like localized on just some people's hard drives and that I am one of them. <laughs> uh, so uh, is that, is that game preservation? Uh, who knows? Uh, but uh, that said, if you want to join Indiepocalypse, indiepocalypse.com slash submit. Um, if you ever want to be on this radio show and you're like, ah, it sounds like a cool thing, but you're not in Indiepocalypse, you can, you can, go to indiepocalypse.com slash radio and be like, hey, I want to be on that show. I mean, I may, if your game is adjacent, I'll probably email you at some point, but that saves me the anxiety of going, oh, I don't want to email this person who doesn't, who I don't know if they'll be on the show. And then I go, ah, oh, saves me the trouble. They want to be here. Uh, that's it, I think. Oh, there's a Patreon. You can sign up at uh, indiepocalypse.com slash Patreon if you... You can sign up for a month to get it cheaper. If you sign up at the five buck level, uh, you get games for uh, you get just the commission games, which is like if you sign up for that for a year, that's like uh, what's that like fifty dollars for twelve games from like uh, the freshest the freshest voices of alternative game design. It's a bargain you can't pass down or can't pass by. As the phrase, I think. <laughs> um, that's it. I, th I don't think there's any other Indiepocalypse stuff I need to say. That's kind of the whole, the whole spiel, the whole it all. The new one just came out yesterday. Go check it out. Go buy the new one that just came out. Forty-four. Uh, keep making them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like. 
someone once said was someone was i've had people not someone like multiple people said you know it would be a, a better product if it wasn't monthly um but then i also think how many of these games would i have missed if it was like you know quarterly you know mm. yeah it would be kind of far yeah far in between yeah it would, feel- it would probably be more work in a way because look you know, then you have four months worth of stuff, three months, four months worth of stuff you have yeah. to dig through. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think there is definitely there is definitely a better quote unquote product if I find the best quote unquote games, you know, <laughs> and put them in a quarterly edition. But I think I think there needs to be somebody that's just working in volume. Uh, that's me. Uh, but uh, that's that said. Uh, anyway. Uh, Taylor is gone, so thank you, Taylor. Rich Grant for Cats of Phoenix. Thank you both for being here. Thank uh, you for having me. Thank you for having me. Love doing the show. Love hanging out with people. Uh, it's a cool thing that it's fun to do. We're for people who very rarely are all of us going to find ourselves in the same space, physical space, you know? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Weird thing with the internet age. Yeah. So I'm or trying just to. In general, I guess. I want. I like to create a kind of a low stakes, uh, post con at hangout atmosphere, but online. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. It uh, did feel that way. That's what I'm hoping for. This is not a hard hitting interview show. <laughs> um, <laughs> not really here to 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 really just break down the like. I will sometimes miss talking about people's stuff. I maybe we'll talk through games, but sometimes I think knowing, did you eat? Whether someone ate was like, did they come from a background? If they were the type of person who ate chopped up hot dogs and spaghetti, uh, which is, yeah, yeah, that is it. That is a specific cultural his background that I don't ha- I don't know, but I like it, it. Speaks to people's game experiences. It does. I do wish yeah. I could. I do wish I could. Uh, one chain restaurant I wish I had out here is I want to eat at a Jollibee once. <laughs> I don't actually know much about Jollibee. Oh, Jollibee. I don't think they've had one out here. No, Jollibee is yeah, not, I think it's not. Those East are only down thing. south, I think, right? South and out west. It, it's yeah. a uh, it's it's a Filipino restaurant, I believe. Oh, cool. I believe Jollibee is a Filipino chain, and I think that's where it like originates. So it's kind of like good spread west yes 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 i am correct yes it's from the philippines uh so it's not like uh it's it, i imagine as you know it starts in the west coast of the u.s and just like spread eastwards so maybe um where is the closest jollibee to me <laughs> if they have like fast food spaghetti you know uh Ah, New Jersey. <laughs> or maybe Pennsylvania or New York. One of them. One of them, depending on where they are located. But I don't think I'm making a trek. Oh my god, I could <laughs> if I went to too many games, the convention too many games is a jolly being in Philadelphia, I could have been there. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> This is this is what I talked about. This is where we passed the exit. We're like, oh shit, where do we? <laughs> when, when's the next exit to get to, to get off this show? Uh, 
before, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna belabor the show by talking about by roping everyone into talking about foods they like. Um, but thank you both for being here. I'm gonna find the uh, the exit screen. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.